Good evening and welcome to a very exciting edition of the JME Sports Blog Podcast. It's been a while since we had one that really got us going, Rob, but this is the season preview. So welcome. Yes. How are you doing? Doing well. How's everybody? How are you doing? How's everybody out there? Hopefully everybody is doing well. Um, yeah, I ask that every week, like anybody's going to answer. You, you think after hey, like 100 something episodes. Their, I would be answering in my car. I do it for yeah. other shows, right? So yeah. Um, no, welcome everybody. We are thrilled tonight. We're just, we're not going to bury the lead at all. We have Greg Medea from the Daily News Record and the Walkthrough Podcast, the foremost expert on all things JMU football, joining us tonight for our annual preseason, you know, season preview. There's nobody more that we enjoy talking JMU football with more than Greg. It, it you know, it's just so cool and so fun to talk to him who knows so much. Particularly and, uh, this year that he gets to watch practice, which yes. is something he missed out <laughs> on last year. So it was like, right. you could sense he said, he's not that he didn't do an outstanding job last year. He did, but right. this year he's got much better insight. And I think mm. you're going to hear about certain players and yeah. how they've been turning heads at practice and pe- people will enjoy that and should get them as excited as it got us. Oh yeah. And, and Greg was really open with us and, and, I thought really fair in the way he answered, you know, even some non on the field questions, uh, you know, whether they're sort of protocol related or uh, big picture related. So that was really good. And we look forward to sharing that with you all. As always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. They are getting a ton of rain this week. So I know it's probably not the easiest week uh, to fish, Rob, but that probably bodes. We need it. Yeah. And we needed some we needed the water for sure. Uh, and not as much as we got in Alexandria, but yeah. <laughs> no, other parts no, of the state. I was wondering if your house is still there. Yeah. We're, we're um, okay. Knock on wood, but other, yeah. our old house might not be there anymore. For our, <laughs> right. for yeah. Um, but the water's probably a good thing for the fall. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. So, you know, yeah. Tie flies, watch videos, uh, do what you can and, and go visit the shop, pick out everything you need for this fall. And you know, I think they've the got a fly sale going on right now. So. They do. And, and, and if you mention the pod, you'll get a free Mossy Creek sticker. Get some really cool ones. We just put a fish sticker up on our fridge. That's mm-hmm. very cool. I, I like a lot. Look at me, fish sticker. I don't, you'd probably, <laughs> I don't even know what fish it is, right? No. Um, it's a trout, Todd. It's it trout. is. I'm sure that it is a trout. Okay. There's like a bunch of trouts. But yeah. <laughs> We're going to put that on, on the Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but big thanks to the guys at Mossy Creek. Go by and uh, check them out and mention the pod anytime. Also, we haven't said this in a while, but rate and review us as we get into the season and hopefully listenership and everybody starts tuning back in. Um, don't be afraid to rate and review the podcast. You know, and uh, share it with friends. Share it with friends. If you friends. like it. Enemies if you don't. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we are, we're recording this Monday night. It is 19 days until football. It'll be 18 by the time most of you hear this, but it will be two days until the JMU athletic season begins. Uh, this Thursday night, women's soccer is at VCU in a real live non-exhibition, like a real actual game. This one counts. This one counts at 7 p.m. at VCU, and they're home this Sunday uh, versus American. So in Harrisonburg, you know, up there at Centera Park, it, fans allowed, all kinds of things. Go watch women's soccer this weekend. They're picked highly in the CAA. I saw field hockey was picked to win the conference today and had four players picked for the preseason all CAA. So looking forward to some of those teams getting started as well. Uh, and then that's really all I got, Rob, to start us out. We're going to talk football with Greg. Um, I guess the one thing I wanted to say off the top is we're aware that world's a tough day in the world right now. Um, mm-hmm. You could be angry about all kinds of things. Um, you could be sad and I don't know. 
just, I don't know, but we're going to talk football and have fun with this tonight. And the one thing I was thinking, Rob, as, as we launch into this, is just, I hope we can all, I don't know. I got another video from a friend of a fan fight thing, some game this week. I don't know if it was preseason NFL or baseball or something. I just hope as we all get ready to go back to Bridgeforth, let's just, I know we all have opinions and we're angry about a whole lot of things in the last year and a half, but I'm really hoping JMU fans can, you know, don't worry too much about the bumper sticker on your parking lot neighbor's car. Just, you know, I don't know, take fireball shots and go enjoy the game. Like, I don't know. I don't, whatever you do, whatever it is that you like to do. Right. And I don't know what the protocols will be, but whatever they are, do not take, if you disagree with them, do not take it out on the random event staff people. That, yeah. They do not make enough money to to put up with the nonsense. Yeah. That's exactly right. Abide by the rules, whatever they are. Um, If you're not comfortable, don't go. If you need extra precautions, go. Don't give your seat neighbors grief for doing things differently than you, but um, play by the rules, have fun. And, be nice to each other. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I know we sound ridiculous, but that's, I don't know. I just got thinking about that today and it's hard to watch, you know, there's a million reasons it's hard to sort of follow the news today. Oh and yeah, man. Hopefully you're coming to the Jamie Sports Blog podcast uh, to think about something that makes you happy because that's what it does for us. And so whatever our issues with flow sports or realignment or whatever else are, mm-hmm. um, you know, take them with a grain of salt and be happy we get to go to Hopefully we get to go to Harrisonburg and Bridgeforth and wherever it is that you like to celebrate in Harrisonburg um, when you go to games here. Yes, in and, and check out one of the deepest teams in JMU history. Yeah, I can't wait. To, I, we're <laughs> spoiler, like, spoiler. Spoiler. We're like ready to run through a wall after talking with Greg. And <laughs> yeah, without further ado, let's let's send it over to Greg and hopefully you'll be ready to run through a wall too. All right. And welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. We are thrilled to have our uh, annual or semi-annual visit with the uh, one and only Greg Medea of the Daily News Record. Uh, welcome, Greg. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Happy, happy to stop by. Yeah, and I think we're all happy to have a real season maybe getting ready to take off here. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's got to be better for you actually getting to watch practice this year. Yeah, no doubt. Feel a little bit more in tune with what's going on with the team because of that. I'm glad the interviews are back in person, at least outside the masks are off and uh, kind of kind of back to normal a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of that, look, we're going to ask Greg some questions tonight. We're going to try to build off of his incredible. I think everybody who listens to us listens to the Greg's walkthrough podcast from the Daily News Record. Um, you could go back and listen to the episode from last week. It really breaks down the roster pretty well. Um, just can't encourage you enough to go from there. So we'll try to build on that tonight and not repeat everything for you, Greg. Um, but we're really, some of it. Yeah, yeah. You guys go ahead. Whatever you want to shoot at me, go ahead and, and fire away. Well, we, we really did want to start really with the roster. I mean, there's only so much that any of us can know about like the national landscape or other CAA teams, some of whom didn't play in the spring, right? I, so we're going to stick with what we do know, which is JMU's roster is heavily loaded and they come in ranked number two. And I think the very first position I wanted to hit you with, um, because I can't help it and I, I just have to ask about receiver, is there are so, we are so loaded at receiver, it appears. And the starting three from the spring, 
Wells, Bracey, and Thornton are all back. But there's some names who have done big things for JMU still, like behind those three still. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, who else is going to really be in the mix at that position? I mean, I don't know. I just I look at those names and I'm like, those are guys we had high, high, not just hopes, but like they did things for JMU in the last few years. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'll start with, with Kendall Dean then. And, and I guess the unfortunate news, right? Mm. Uh Signetti Friday, uh, Jamie Coach Kurt Signetti Friday told us that Dean would be out for the likely out for the season with a knee injury. And that's that's unfortunate. That's a big depth hit. I know yeah. he didn't play a ton last year behind Bracey, Wells, Thornton, but he's a guy who has started in the past and, and someone you can rely on at least to know the playbook and be out there uh, for, from time to time. So they'll be without him uh, for, for the entire year, it seems like. Uh, at this point, the early indications are that. Mm. Uh, and then I, I think when you look beyond Dean, Josh Sims has been on the roster forever. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I remember I covered him in recruiting uh, the very <laughs> first year I was on the beat, and he's he's just he's stuck around. And, and that's yep. what the feeling is with a lot of the team, though, just because you have the sixth year guys who are back because of the extra season the NCAA gave all athletes because of the pandemic. You have some uh, fifth year guys. You even have a seventh-year guy on the team. So it's an old team at the top and a young team at the bottom because you have two freshman classes, uh, essentially. So it's an interesting dichotomy there. But uh, to get back to the receiver position, uh, so you have those. You have Sims as a potential backup. I think one guy who was emerging this training camp, and I saw him today, uh, we're recording this Monday, make just an outstanding catch in practice during during a wet, soggy wow. morning at, at Bridgeford Stadium. I saw him leap and catch the ball, and that's Reggie Brown, oh, a Florida native, who I think is is the program has high, had high hopes for. Uh, if you go back even to Mike Houston's staff when they recruited him, I remember talking to some assistants about him and at that time saying he's going to be a very good player at some point. Maybe Maybe he's the fourth guy. Uh, this this coming fall for JMU. Signetti has praised him a little bit too. And just watching him, he looks like a little bit more mature uh, of a player uh, now for JMU and somebody who can help them in a passing game a little bit. Uh, I think I think also uh, a name to know there beyond, uh, beyond Brown and Sims is Devin Ravenel. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been behind the scenes, injured for most of the spring. He's still working his way back, but he was someone who could have played inside or outside for them last spring before the injury. We'll see if he can work his way back in the lineup. But I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Bracey, Wells, and Thornton, uh, plus the tight ends with with how JMU likes to use its tight ends. Well, Wells is the guy, like, I think everybody's excited to see how he closed the last four games last year. Are, Are you seeing any signs that that's just going to continue I mean, the sky seems to be the limit. Was that just him catching lightning in a bottle? Or are you seeing stuff in practice that justifies the excitement? He looks like a beast. Uh, I'll just I'll just say it. I mean, he's probably like, you know that term, like the first guy off the bus? Yeah. 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 Either him or one of the defensive linemen, linemen. <laughs> uh, is, is, is the first person you put off the bus if you're JMU. <laughs> I, yeah. I've noticed a couple of things with Wells in practice is is 
And this is something I didn't really get to see last year just because of the, the limitations, the practices we did get to see. We were up in the stands for practice. So you don't get that field level feel for what's what's going on from snap to snap. But a couple things I've noticed is Wells is competitive as hell in practice. He doesn't take a rep off. Signetti told told me the other day when I asked about Wells is, you know, he, you have a lot of guys who can who, who you need to manage a little bit because uh, training camp is a grind and they're old players. You want them rested for the season. He goes, you know, you can just run Wells out there because he can just go, go, go. He's fine. He doesn't break a sweat. But I've noticed he's, he's so competitive that whenever, whenever the wide receivers have to pair up and do a drill together and there's an odd number of receivers, so it makes for an awkward pairing for the last guy, Wells is always the first guy to run to do that extra last rep and I don't know if that means anything I don't I don't know I mean I I don't know what that equates to in the box score on a Saturday afternoon in the fall but it just shows that he's he's all in he's moving fast uh today I noticed that that the quarterbacks didn't have the snaps timed up exactly right and he ran out for a route and nobody threw him the ball he stomped his foot and he was like (laughs) what's going on why are we wasting reps uh, essentially, to, to put it lightly, in terms of in terms of what he said, uh, but I, I'm just very impressed with his competitiveness. I've seen it other times over the past couple of years with certain guys, and I see that from Wells that tenacity uh, that that you want to see in a player who showed some flashes last year and had a really strong postseason uh, to be someone that that could potentially have a stellar career at JMU. That's great to hear. <laughs> Um, well, let's get the easy one out of the way, uh, just because we have to ask after. I know you have it's only been a couple weeks, but is there any update on the situation behind Cole Johnson at quarterback? I think that's what everybody, you know, one of the places that just jumps out at casual fans. Yeah, it, it'll be either Patrick Bentley or Kyle Adams. I know Billy Atkins maybe early on was involved a little bit, but he, he's a true freshman. And, and I think most true freshmen this fall, unless they're really standout players, are going to redshirt just because of the numbers on the roster uh, above them with, with, like I said, fifth, sixth, and, and even a seventh-year guy. But for for that backup quarterback battle, I'd expect uh, it to be kind of a nail-biting. The second scrimmage coming up this Friday night to, will, will help determine that, I think. Adams is the younger player. He might have a little more raw talent uh, than, than Bentley. I, I, I'm impressed with the way Kyle Adams can run the football. I think he adds a little bit of a speed element that you've seen in the past uh, with JMU quarterbacks, Brian Shore. I'm not saying he's as fast or as as tough a runner as Brian Shore is, but maybe in that mold of, of speed. Uh, plus, he, he, he's, he's, he was an all-state player, highly recruited out of Indiana. Bentley's a veteran, though. You know, he knows the playbook. Uh, transferred about four seasons ago now from Division II, Alderson brought us in West Virginia. Uh, but – I still think that that's a battle still up in the air at this point. Um, well, and just to finish off the offense, so you did a good job in the spring of kind of, it was so hard for most of us to kind of follow like the roster week to week last year. Um, and then the, there was a lot of shuffling on the O-line in the spring and there's been some movement there too. Obviously we're all excited to have uh, Liam Fornadel back. And, and I have to assume that, Potts, Kidwell, and Timming are all still healthy and in the mix. I, but I'm, who else is there in that group 
you know, I mean, they need a fifth player for Travell and they need, they got some shoes, some spots to fill there, I think. Yeah, that, that position's been a little bit of a concern this so, so far in this preseason camp. I think the pass protection has been a little bit of an issue. Uh, Signetti said that much, and, and you can see it a little bit in, in the practices. Uh, I think one of the bigger issues is they've, they've held Fornado a little bit out at times because he's coming back from injury. He's healthy. He'll be fine. It's all precautionary. So it's showing some of the lack of depth. Uh, and what happens after you lose a Ray Gillespie because everybody thought he was coming back. And then he decided at the last minute that he'd move on from football. So I think JMU is still adjusting to, to life without Ray Gillespie. So for not an All-American in the process is, is moving from right tackle, his, his traditional spot where he's played for most of his career. I think 33 starts at right tackle in his career, or on the right side of the line at least. Uh, he played a couple of games at guard as a freshman. Uh, but he's moving to the left tackle spot now, which he said, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to learn. He's, he's picking it up okay. It's more the stance and the set uh, as opposed to knowing the plays and flipping those plays basically to make it work. Uh, I think that's like that. I think he'll be fine. No long term. I don't think there's any issue there. He's, he's, you know, the, one of the best players when he steps on the field every week. Uh, Timming will be your center. You can lock that in. Potts will be your right guard. You can lock that in. Kidwell will play right tackle. He'll be the right tackle and and play where Fornado used to play. He did a good job in his spring there when, when JMU moved him there out of necessity, and they'll keep him there. And then your your other guard spot is is looking like Tyshawn Wyatt. He's been the guy working with the with the with the first team there. Some other guys in the mix with the O line would be Stanley Hubbard, who probably will be the the understudy to JT Timming at center. And then Tyler Stevens, who will probably be basically your first lineman off the bench. Uh, Stevens started a game last year, went at the first game after Fornado got hurt. Uh, so he, he started one game, but I think they're really impressed with Potts and trying to keep keep developing him. He, he looks like he's going to be a long-term starter for JMU. And and Wyatt, I think they're impressed with him early, but he's, he's young too. He's only a redshirt freshman, so you got a couple of redshirt freshman heavily in the mix there with Potts, Wyatt, and Tyler Stevens. That group's going to be happy to see some different opponents, though, besides oh. the JMU D-line when they yeah. get out of camp. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's a pretty good test. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get a read on. It'd on, be hard for any O-line to be a, yeah, get a read with that group. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, it's funny. For no, Otto, the no. other day, he goes, yeah. he goes you know, it's a little unfair when the offensive line is taking four or five reps in a row and the defensive line is rotating just waves and waves of players, you know, <laughs> one, at, one after the other, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Running hockey lines at them, you know? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Well, on the other side of the ball, I mean, a position that, you know, Long has some, has some history with Jamie's linebacker. And I think we've got, you know, Tucker Dorsey and Azanama. But what's it looking like beyond those two? Yeah, I think behind Kelvin and Diamante Tucker Dorsey, uh, you you have uh, Mateo Jackson, who, who's been in the program for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think he's he's certainly a, a viable backup with some with some serious experience. Uh, next to him, you could see Seth Nawatala, uh, who's a younger linebacker, uh, and he he he's been someone who's been taking second team reps, I believe. Uh, Julio Ayamal is healthy again, uh, one of those good council kids, along with uh, Latrell Palmer and Jalen Green. Uh, 
so I think those three are in the mix for, for a backup job. I would think Mateo Jackson is probably the first off the bench, though. Gotcha. That's okay. good to hear. And, and yeah, I, yeah, I just forget these names after missing them in the spring. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and so, look, our big concern, every fan's big concern, Greg, is uh, the heck are we doing to fix special teams? Uh, are, are you seeing, you know, that obviously that was, um, you know, it was understandable as mad as fans were in the spring, um, you know, with the injuries and the COVID and everything else. There were guys playing on special teams that even hardcore followers didn't know, you know. Um, so I, I think it was kind of under, more understandable than it looked on the surface. But are you, see, you know, A, kind of are there any players back there that are you think will help, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, starter level players who are, you know, we didn't see that in the spring, you know. Um or B, it's just, you know, any changes there that give you, give us, could give us some cause for hope. <laughs> so, so I will say when you add depth to your roster, right, you're not only strengthening your offense and defense, you're strengthening the players who can play on special teams, right? You're strengthening, strengthening those units because all of a sudden a second string player who, who might be capable of starting on offense or defense is, is relegated to a primary special teams role. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's, that's kind of what's happened when you look, they, they, I know they lost some players to the transfer portal graduation, but they've also gained nine transfers just in this short offseason. And I think some of those players will be able to help them on special teams. And then some of the players who were forced into action a little bit early this past spring may be able to help them on special teams. It looks like they have more options in the punt return and the kick return aspect. I know that's that's been a little bit of a stickler with fans since – uh, they said so long to D'Angelo Amos and, and have and have struggled to replace uh, that adequately. So there's a competition going on between Jack Schroba, who did it last year, Jordan Swan, the transfer from Maine. There's one of those transfers. Chris Thornton, who you guys know how fast he is, um, as as well as there's one more in the mix. I'll, I'll come back to that. And then uh, in the kick return aspect, uh, in the kick return aspect, I think you're looking at Thornton and Kalon Black. Okay. Uh, so, or excuse me, Solomon Van Horst. Van Horst. Solomon Van Horst and, and Kalon Black, and he's the other one in the punt return mix. Oh, Van Horst. Uh, so, so I think they're trying to get, especially with how many running backs they have. You look there, Kalon Black, Solomon Van Horst. Maybe they're trying to get a few players, uh, Van Horst particularly, who may not get every snap on offense or a ton of snaps on offense, more heavily involved in the special teams. Jordan Swan was really successful at it okay. in his time at Maine and at Connecticut. He started his career at UConn before <clears> going to Maine. So I think there's a chance that, I mean, you, you don't bring a transfer in like that unless you want him to uh, assume some of those roles, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, in addition to helping on defense. So I think, I think that'll be better. Your kicker, your punter, your long snapper, those three names should be familiar to JMU fans by now, right? Yep. I mean, Radke's going on year six. So Kelly's <laughs> going on year five. Davis has been in the program. So they 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 will be fine in that aspect. Uh, you just I, I just think the up the, the surrounding cast will be better. Uh, and that could that that should help them theoretically. Oh, random question here on the O'Kelly front. Um uh, you know, Australia's had some of the strictest COVID protocols in the world for the last year and a half has he ever left jmu 
I don't. I was, I was wondering. I, don't like, so. I haven't really yeah. talked to him about that. Yeah, I've seen him at practice and said hello and and you know exchange a few pleasantries. But other than that, I don't know. Maybe yeah. if I talk to him by the end of the week, we'll, <laughs> uh, we can figure that out. Uh, I know last year he had stayed at JMU quite a while. Yeah, uh, even when people were sent home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, that's 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 a great question. Yeah, I was just thinking about it for all the international students, but. <laughs> When we watched the Olympics too, and there was a lot, you know, that part of the world, I was like, oh man, I wonder if he's ever been able to go home. Like, I don't he know. Hasn't. I know. He hasn't. So. Well, while we're speaking about the fun COVID stuff, I mean, we're, we're all ready to go full stands and anything. Have you been hearing anything that might give us cause for concern? And clearly this is not going to be JMU's call. It's probably going to be the governor or CDC, but is everything still looking like full on attendance? From, from what I hear, it's going to be a party at Bridgeport every Saturday, every every home Saturday this fall. That's that's at least at this point, right? Okay. Uh, I, oh. I, there, you know, if there are no, if there are no attendance restrictions by the governor, JMU is not going to do it. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. there's money to be had there, especially after last year when you had to, when when you, when you weren't able to sell all the tickets that you wanted to sell. Uh, so I I would assume you know business as usual as far as Masks in the stands. I, I haven't heard one way or another that. I mean, at that point, I guess I, I don't know. Up to up to whoever comes to the games, right? right, right. Uh, I guess uh, yeah. to, to me, I don't. Whatever. Uh, it, it's for but at this point, I haven't heard anything with attendance. Haven't heard anything with masks. Um, but uh, at this point, who knows? You know, unless the governor steps in, I, I don't yeah. think anybody. Uh, there's there's dollars to be had. Yeah. Uh, another um that's good to know from a fan perspective at least so far uh we'll keep our fingers crossed the same way we have been um yeah, i'm sure i'm sure like i think about basketball too you you, you oh can't, yeah you that's the one that hurts in there right yeah exactly yeah. i know i actually went i ran into a friend who went to the open house this weekend and uh yeah he was very excited about it so yeah it's beautiful i, I will know. say it's beautiful yeah uh, hey. Yeah. Well, on another sort of off the field topic that we can't uh, just because it's been on our minds and and you and your colleague, Shane Metlin, have done a lot of really just from a fan perspective, we're really grateful that you guys have pushed this story and continued to follow it because it's obviously the thing we're all all of us are talking about. And that is kind of the realignment and the, you know, the future that none of us know about. Um, but with Oklahoma and Texas leaving and the potential shakeup and what does that mean down the road? I, I guess we were just wondering, you know, is that, is that, I mean, have, you know, I, to the administration's credit, I, I think Bourne and, and, and then even Alger stepping in with that joint statement a couple weeks ago, you know, they've at least been trying to give fans something to let them know they're engaged. Um, but you guys have done a lot of follow up on this. Is that something that like, is it kind of a two-way street? I mean, have you guys been pressing that and forcing them to do that? Or do you feel like they've been sort of, you know, Same they're also signals. doing their own thing? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will say after two days after the Oklahoma, Texas news broke, I did talk. I, Jeff was gracious with his time, Jeff Bourne, and gave me some time to talk with him uh, about, you know, what could the future be, not only for JMU, but just college athletics as a whole. Uh, especially the the mid-major level, whether that's the group of five or upper echelon of the FCS. Uh, and then that's when, you know, you really start thinking about, okay, so is this, he's saying it's a, an earth-shaking event that's going to cause a, a ripple effect. 
you just start looking from there. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of where it started. And really over the last year, you always have heard rumblings behind the scenes of, you know, this, that the COVID situation and how it left schools financially, mm-hmm. it's caused them to think about what's best for them going forward, especially at the group of five level. I think it'd be naive not to look at old Dominion situation. And Shane, Shane did talk to uh, Wood Sealing, the, the AD there, and, and what Conference USA has meant to them, traveling right. from Norfolk <laughs> to El Paso, Texas, right. and, and what that's done to their athletic department. So I think you look at that, you kind of take the totality of it, not just Oklahoma and Texas leaving. And I think Bourne said something really interesting is that those two schools, the SEC, they probably are looking there at themselves, talking to each other, saying, you know, the NCAA, they're not doing anything. Let's look out for the best interest of us and go, go, go join forces because if anything happens again, they'd rather it all be together as opposed to waiting for the NCAA. And I think that's a big part of this potential restructuring in college football is the NCAA is is going to have less power than it ever has before. I mean, what is the NCAA really good at right now? It's yeah. running championships, and and that's about it. They yeah. run championships pretty well, right? And it sounds like today they're going to try a collections thing for the bill that's due on the Alston. Pass the hat. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, I'm like, Pass that for the new keg. <laughs> that's not going to make the Oklahomas and Texases of the world very happy. Right. Right? You know, like, Especially with how, I mean, you, you yeah. throw an NIL, yeah. right? You throw that in. Right. You throw in how people consume college athletics, right? Not only traditional television, the streaming, the subscriptions, all that stuff. And it's it's creating and forcing people in administration in college athletics to look at and evaluate their situations. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Texas, people there are not stupid. They know what uh, a partnership and, a, and an agreement with the SEC would do after they basically are carrying a Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Texas yeah. are the number one yeah. and number two draws in that league, and it's, it's really not close after that, uh, as much as people may like West Virginia, my alma mater, and, and TCU and, and Texas Tech. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's caused everybody to reevaluate. And so I guess the first thing to get back to JMU and not get too far yeah. off topic <laughs> is uh, what happens with the other eight Big 12 schools? Uh, do they disperse? Uh, to the other power, I guess you'd call them power four conferences, right? If, if the Big 12 would disperse, do they do that? And then the ripple effect doesn't really go any much further? Or do they do they start plucking from the AAC uh, or another group of five league, which would, for, yeah. which would have some openings then at the group of five level? And from the conversation Shane and I had with, with some former college conference uh, at commissioners, JMU is an attractive, attractive school. Uh, they have a growing alumni base. The school is in, you know, is is close and has uh, alumni in, in major cities like D.C. There are great alumni numbers in New York and New Jersey. Uh, there's good alumni numbers in Charlotte. Uh, you look at the fan engagement at the school, uh, their attendance is better than a lot of the group of five, and and that's that's a positive thing. Uh, you take subscriptions and and you look at would this fan base buy subscriptions to an ESPN three type of thing? Oh or please, if only, <laughs> if yeah. only we could do that. 
<laughs> and that's that's probably some of the thought process too. Well, if they subscribe to Flow, they probably would subscribe, you know, to ESPN three, right? Well, the problem is we all already subscribe to ESPN three because we're just Correct. fans of other things. And the frustrating yeah. part is the additional subscription to Flow that we wouldn't without getting anything else. right that we wouldn't otherwise purchase. You know, that's yeah. for all of us. That's the real backwards part it's of the this. dagger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the well, Craig, CIA, one more, and then we'll get you out of here. But like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the CAA, you, you can't. No. It's tough to blame the CAA in that situation. They voted for what's in the best interest of the majority of the schools. And yeah. to be honest, JMU has outgrown what's good for the rest of the CAA. Yes. So I don't exactly. know if that's a JMU exactly. problem or a CAA issue because you can't blame the other schools if that's what they thought was best for them. Right. Because, right, isn't isn't this – I know all these conferences want to say they're on the same page as each other, but at the end of the day, these schools are looking out for the best interest of themselves. No, you're right. And, and I, yeah, there's I know. just a chasm between JMU and the rest of the conference. I think I think you're exactly right, Greg. Like, the deal makes sense when you think about, okay, how can we get some exposure for all these Olympic sports at these different schools that really don't have interest in growing their brand through sports probably the way that JMU does. You know, they're not the front porch theory at whatever Drexel, Drexel right. that you have. Yeah. And nothing, I mean, Drexel's got no, a no, great no, athletic program. Yeah, I just... But I mean, they're like, oh, we're going to have football. I mean, we're going to have no football. We're going to have two pretty good basketball teams. And then we're going to fill out the rest of the athletic department with just, you know, teams. Like it's nothing. It's no big deal. They're not trying to compete for national championships across the board like JMU is. Um, they're not trying to get on TV. They're not trying to get on game day. So it's just a totally different perspective. And you know, JMU is clearly the outlier here, but that doesn't make it bad for the rest of the league. You know, it, th- without JMU, the rest of the league isn't as attractive of a total package. You know, so it's it's. I mean, tough you, to you don't want to make this comparison, but it, it, you can say in some ways, and I'm sure JMU yeah. fans have. Are they the you know the Texas or the Oklahoma of the CAA where everybody else has hitched their wagon to it? Right. Uh, yeah. Except there's not as, you know, the money's not as lucrative. As right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, Rob, yeah, you get to ask the fun one here. Well, say like it, we always like to talk when we talk to coaches or guests and we, we like to talk about the goal setting process and you being, you know, closer to the team this year and actually getting to talk to people. Have you got any insight into how Signetti approaches this? I know for most fans, it unfortunately has gone to the point where it's championship or bust, but is Signetti putting it like, hey, we're going to win the CAA or we're going to home seed or playoffs? Or is it just, is he a one game at a time type coach speak guy? What, what's his message it's to the one, team, Ben? One game at a time, even if that, it's one <laughs> practice at a time. Uh, That's so, what I and, suspected. And, and I think that focus level has worked for, for JMU in the past. Mm-hmm. I think about the 2019 team that was a laser focused team that bought into that one game at a time, one week at a time approach. They got mm-hmm. to the national championship game by by buying into what what Signetti was selling, and I, I think it's a good strategy as long as the players buy in, right? Yeah. That's 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 a selling yeah. point, uh, and uh, until it until it until it falls on deaf ears. I think with this team, it works too. They saw it. They saw it in 2019 work, mm-hmm. and the younger players, because I, like I said, you have two freshman classes essentially. Yeah, the one that arrived last year and played a shortened spring season, and then the one that arrived ahead of this fall season, I think they're going to buy in too if they see all the other, the older players buying yeah. into that. So I think I think from the inside perspective, it's always going to be one game, one week at a time. But I think there's there are some 
I think there are upperclassmen that realize the talent on the team. They realize what the potential level is mm-hmm. and what could happen if all the pieces come together as it as it looks like it could. Yeah, it's hard for us as fans because normally, what, what are we, 18, 19 days away from the opening day? And uh, usually we're we're headed to Raleigh or Morgantown or somewhere that we're thinking like, well, let's reevaluate after week one. Like, yeah. you know, because we really don't know, we don't have an expectation of sort of a victory necessarily uh, when we play the FBS game. And, and this year, without an FBS team, it gets really difficult as a fan not to look ahead and think, you know, there's win, some win, things win, on win, the win. table. Yeah, there's maybe some things on the table, particularly an undefeated season that's never happened at JMU. You know, um, even the national championship years, they never went undefeated. Because well, you got to go back to 1975. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So you got to go back to pre sort of all of this, right? But I mean, it's hard not to get excited, right? And I, it's it's good to hear. I guess it's good to hear that the, uh, inside the program, <laughs> that's not the discussion. You know, they're not crazy fans inside no, the program, no, is right. what you're telling me, Todd. Yeah. Well, I mean, too, if you if you think about it, there are players on that on this team that will play significant roles that were part of that 2018 team that. They probably lost games they shouldn't have. Uh, New Hampshire, Colgate. Colgate. Uh, you, you think to that, you, you've had team. Well, 2019, had, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 2019, you lose the national championship game. They probably feel like they should have won in Morgantown, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think. I mean, at least at least in my mm-hmm. opinion, I think that yep. game was was there to be won. Mm-hmm. It was a good game, but, but yep. they just came up on the wrong side of it. Yep. Uh, so I, I think there is some value in that. And there, I, I know there's no FBS game, but there are, there are some oh. tough – there's some tough matchups. They, I mean, the, the trip oh, to yeah. Weber State. Yeah, that's not the real really deal. Effective. Yeah, I mean, you, you better hope you're used to elevation when you go out there because yep. yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. that that is not an easy place to play. Uh, I think I know they lost in the playoffs there this past spring, but I think Jay Hill hasn't lost like a regular season game there in like four years or a regular season non-conference game. And I have to look it up again. I, I know I looked it up before, but I'm saving it for, for the Weber State story. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, look, on the <laughs> other end of it, right, having been at JMU after a couple of playoff heartbreaks to App State, oh, yeah. to, you know, think about what it was like for us as, you know, welcoming them in, finally getting them at home in a regular season game. For the revenge. For yeah. the revenge game. You know, I mean, you know that Weber State program is going to be up for this game off the two tough losses they've had to JMU in the playoffs. So, yeah, no 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 doubt about that. Yeah. You throw in a, a trip to Delaware. Yeah. I know I know Maine the second week of the season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how advanced they'll be at that point, but right. you have some coaches on JMU staff who were at Maine previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that could entice some players to be excited. Uh, I I just think the schedule is 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 tougher than it looks just because you don't have the FBS game on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to know. Well, but, Greg, you know, we don't want to take too much of your time. We just, you know, you've already talked a little bit about West Virginia. I was wondering what you thought about the Big Twelve. I'll, I'll let you. Not you don't have to answer that. I don't know if Rob has any Mets questions for you though. <laughs> not a good week, Todd. Not a good week for the Mets. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's pure, Nats, pure pain. Pure yeah. pain. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, more Nats games, please. I enjoyed that yeah. one, but now, think I think first pitch. Coming after that Dodgers sweep, um, I think first pitch against the Giants is in like 10 minutes from now. So more fun. Maybe they can redeem themselves, but the injuries now, now have really keep, caught up. Now they'll keep me up to 1 or 2 a.m. and lose. <laughs> <you know? Yeah. laughs> 
No, the NL West is not a fun, not a fun trip this year. Yeah. So, no. No. Um, well, Rob, you got anything else other than to say congratulations to Greg for a great summer? <laughs> yeah, congrats. So that big news for you, personal life. Yeah, so. thank you. Thank you. No, Shannon's no. great. Everybody's no. happy. So all good. Good. And and just, you know, do the, do the hang in there this year. I don't know. Who knows what I was thinking about that Utah trip. And I was like, man, by the time we get to the third week of the season and who knows how many weeks of school, like, you know, you hope that trip goes off without a hitch. So yeah. <laughs> just I hope they all do. I hope they all do. Yeah. So Greg, uh, just thank you. And, and thanks to Shane too. You guys just, we really appreciate it. Greg, Rob and I have, uh, you know, we've been here through a lot of your predecessors and they all tried hard, but the level of coverage have been just simply outstanding the last four or five years. So we really, and appreciate I think that's it. the consensus opinion amongst all fans uh, and, and oh. Jamie fans have been pretty spoiled. There've been some really good barber and C league, you know, there were some really good guys before you too, but um, you're both knocking out of the park and just, yeah. just, so you know, it's really noticed and appreciated by the fan base. For well, sure. I appreciate that guys. And uh, if I could tease one thing, yeah. we do have a uh, special uh, 50 seasons or celebrating 50 oh, seasons of Jamie's yeah. special section. Uh, that'll be out the the season opener the, the Saturday uh, morning. So if you're in town for the for the yeah. mighty Moorhead State Eagles, uh, <laughs> you, you can pick up uh, a paper uh, and and grab the uh, grab the special section that'll be inside of it. Good. Well, it's funny though with this. That's good. I'm really glad that everybody should do that because that's going to be awesome. And you can follow Greg at DNR Online. Um, you can listen to the Walkthrough Podcast. You can subscribe all the places you get from us. Um, you probably already do. But yeah, Greg, I, I'm with you on the schedule. By the way, that main game week two is is a is an unusual highlight, you know. From a, I know the spring was just totally weird, but you know, beyond that, this is really interesting to be bringing in a, a tough opponent right away in a game that really matters. It's a conference game, but, yeah. But better than but better going to Maine in November or something. You know, oh, like, for sure. You know, well, and but I even Maine always that, does it. Doesn't Maine usually open up the season with conference games? Maine, New Hampshire, I feel like they get it. They like come right out of the gate many years. Depends. Uh, I guess it depends on whether or not they can get FBS opponents. Maine normally plays two FBS yeah, opponents, so it's normally yeah. based on how they can schedule those games. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and and this, yeah, I'm with you on the schedule. We haven't really broken it down or looked too far beyond those first two or three weeks, but you know, even that homecoming game with Campbell is not a. Uh, a, a roll the pads out game like this, you know, that's a, people are looking at that and kind of joking because it's Campbell and this kind of stuff. But I don't know that that's not a game you want to take lightly. And then ending with Towson, we have no idea what they're going to be. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the trip to New Hampshire, that's uh, a game. Always the, the worst, trips. Oh, yeah. the worst trip for JMU often. So yeah, we hate that trip. Yeah. yeah trip to New Hampshire, trip to Delaware. Yeah. So I, I, I will say, I think this is, and I, I started on a beat in 2016. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably the deepest JMU team I've I've covered. I think the defensive line is unfair. The defensive backfield is is deeper. It may not be as talented as the one with with Jimmy Moreland and Rashad Robinson, Jordan Brown, and Raven Green, uh, but it is it is deep. It is very deep. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a good shot. I know everybody will be a little deeper because most teams have have returning seniors, but I do think this team has a great shot to withstand the season and find their way to to Frisco. I I I I I, I, I normally never make predictions this early, but 
uh, just based on based on what I see at practice, the depth of the roster. It would be the experience. I would be pretty surprised if they don't finish their season in Frisco. Ah, uh, that's just fantastic yeah. <laughs> to hear. Yeah, no, we're all we're all hoping for the same thing. And yeah, we didn't ask you about the D line or the D backs because it didn't seem really it. it you know, it didn't really, seem necessary. It's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's some excitement there, but you covered a lot of it last week, and uh, and and I just keep thinking about. We saw it a little bit with uh, you know, my Washington football team last year. But when you have a dominant defensive line, it covers up a whole lot of holes in other parts of the roster. You know, I mean, you know, your DBs and linebackers look a whole lot better. Your offense, if it gets a few short fields, starts to feel a, little, a lot better about itself. Yeah. You know, when the other quarterback kind of hates going back out there, I, I don't know. I just I keep looking at that D-line and thinking that's going to solve for a lot of other issues. <laughs> no so. no doubt. I mean, you just look look at the talent across that front. <sighs> the, the, the other day, the second string D-line <laughs> was, an entire, was an entire group of former FBS players. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cole Claw. <laughs> The Ohio State guy, yeah, Cole, <laughs> yeah. Flaw, Hamden, Jordan no. Funk from Army, and yeah. Abby and Akona G from Minnesota. Started his career at Minnesota. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Wow, I didn't think about that, but that—that's and that's we're really, not even like, talking about the Towson transfer who's he's going to who play. Was, what, eight and a half sacks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, who's already really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man, all right, no, let's go. Now I'm getting excited. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you, Greg, so much. And uh, we'll be looking forward to reading and listening to all your work this fall. Yeah, Todd, Rob, always uh, always a pleasure to talk with you guys. Happy to do it. And uh, thanks so much for, for letting me chat with you guys. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Thanks for joining us, Greg. <laughs> thanks, Greg. And welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Uh, Rob, how great was that talking to Greg? That was good. That was good. It's always it's always fun talking to him, but I feel like it was a little more exciting this year because last year was such a just unusual situation with the spring that I honestly haven't really tracked who's coming back and who's not. Like I know the big names, but mm-hmm. I wasn't as attuned to the depth. And that really got me excited when he made that comment about, you know, there was one one rep in practice where they had every member of the second string D line and they all were FBS transfers. <laughs> Got at me like, oh wow. We say depth. We're not talking about oh maybe a couple guys who could, you know, in second string who would start at other programs. We probably have second stringers at every position on the defense who would start at other CAA programs. It's not just like one position group. So yeah, that was cool. And appreciate Greg's time as always, and really enjoy talking to him. Yeah, and and all that talk about Antoine Wells. Yes, that was that was <laughs> yeah. the big thing. Like I, I was like, yeah, are we too excited? I didn't think we were, but I need right. somebody to tell me, no, you guys are not crazy. Fans are not crazy. This guy's the real deal. Yeah. Um. So it, that was just it, it's just so much fun to talk about that stuff uh, and, and to get excited. And Rob, I I think we also just all of us we didn't have a. I mean, the spring was fun. It was a fun diversion, right? And we were proud of the way JMU played in the spring, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a regular season. And, and I don't know about you, but we talked a little bit last week. I got out of the habit. Like, this has been weird. Our tickets came today, Rob. I I think I told you, I don't know if I even told you the guys that, but our tickets came today. And, uh, like, I just haven't been in the mode, you know, last fall, we didn't have a regular season. We didn't go. And then in the spring, you know, 
I was fortunate to go to one game, but it wasn't, that was just a random thing. It wasn't um, something we were planning our spring around, you know? Um, So this, it's just, it's been hard for me, even this summer. Normally I've made my party city trip, picked up all my purple cups, like Mm -hmm. sort of started to get ready by this time. And, And this year I was a little behind. And then actually I think the ticket thing and, I, I ran into Jason, uh, Mr. Swag, oh, um, yesterday out on the WNOD biking. And uh, <laughs> we had a little like on bike conversation about the upcoming season. <laughs> so, and that got me really excited. And then, uh, you know, today I got, when all, when all the tickets came out, I, I got a request from a friend for, you know, an extra ticket for a game and stuff. And it kind of got me back in the mode. So talking to Greg tonight was just perfect timing. So I think we're all, I don't know, just hoping. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. Yeah. The hope there. feels a little more warranted than it did last year. So yeah. 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 And I think there's fewer unknowns, not only about the season, but about the team that's going to take the field. A big time. You know? Yeah. Um, so. I'm not sure we've had, you know, it's so funny because Greg brought up the 2016 team that was his first year. And he said, this is, he thought the best prepared or deepest team since then. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's probably true. You remember, like, headed to NC State in 2017 after the national championship, we had a lot of losses, and we were not sure. Like, new, we didn't know they were going to be. One. They turned yeah. out to be great and went all the way to Frisco, but we didn't know that going into the season. No. You know, and I think the 2019 team headed to Morgantown that ultimately made it all the way to. There were still, I mean, that was the everyone wanting to crush Danucci, right? Like, Who's going to play quarterback team? Yeah. You know, like that. Well, that, was, that was coming off the Colgate. Tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was coming off all of that. Yeah. And it was Signetti's first year. So we didn't know. And you're right. This year feels like, oh, here we go. So yeah. it's hopeful time. You got a, I think we got an overtime question tonight, right? From an old friend. Yeah. Sean Patrizzi sent a good one in. Um, let me go. I know the gist of it, but let me not completely botch this. <laughs> um, although I do appreciate Tim at, at TJ Stefano, mm-hmm. his suggestion was, have you watched Ted Lasso and why is it your new favorite show? So I, I appreciate that. That one yeah, kind of speaks for itself. Rob's been promoting Ted Lasso along the way the last few. Months. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to give you my Apple TV password so you can get on board. <laughs> right. We uh, actually okay. talked about it today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's good, man. You'll like it. It's the perfect, perfect show for this sort of <laughs> world we're living in right now. Yeah. Okay. Sean says, debate best relaxing, do nothing summer getaway. Mountains, beach, lake, or possibly other. So mm-hmm. it, you want to do your ranking or should we just put put one on the chopping block? How do we want to do this? This is so hard for me because, well, you go ahead. I, I know which, I, I love all three of them. Well, that's and, what I said to Sean. And he's like, well, that's why, it, it, that's not a good debate. And he's right. That's he's what right. makes this a good question is there's not one easy one where you can eliminate right off the bat. My there's problem the, is, so we go to the mountains all the time. Mm-hmm. And particularly, Sean was focused on like Virginia, yeah, basically Virginia, mid-Atlantic-y, Carolina. you know, he said Virginia, North Carolina, but... Well, it's Sean. It's Virginia, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So, <laughs> you know, um, locally, more locally, semi-local, within six hours drive, um, you know, I would know, I, I'm in mountains above all, person, mm-hmm. but because I get to go there all the time, as far as a do-nothing summer vacation, as he phrased it, I really do love the beach or the lake. I'll say I don't personally have much lake access. Like I've never done a lot of lake 
I, yeah. I love a lake vacation. I've done a couple. I did a mm. houseboat with some friends at Smith Mountain Lake one time. And then Nellie's folks, you know, live on a lake up in Winchester. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't often get that opportunity. So I think for me, if it's truly a do nothing, I do love the beach. You can't, hard to beat the outdoor shower for me. Yeah. Outdoor shower beer. <laughs> yes, um, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's not, there's not one easy one to drop off. Like I said earlier. I grew up, my cousins all live in a lake, live up oh, on a lake get, in Jersey. Oh, good. And it's not a big lake. Mm-hmm. It's a lake you can do like, you know, canoeing, kayaking, stand up paddle boarding, small like sunfish sailboats. And then they had like two beaches where you could go and whatever. They had their swim team. They had essentially like lanes set up in one and a oh, high wow. dive. And, so, and I spent a lot of time up there growing up and I liked it, but it was just, that was just kind of the getaway. I felt like I appreciated it more as a kid than they did. I'd go up there, they'd go on with their daily lives and I'd be like, why are we not on the lake? Yeah. You you guys own sailboats and canoes and kayaks. Like, let's just go. Um, so I love that. But in terms of a do nothing vacation, I think that would probably be my third choice because I don't own a boat. If I own yeah. a boat, that would be number one. Yeah. If I yeah. like, like a big, like yep. my experience was this very small lake in Jersey, but if you're like on a Smith mountain lake or yeah, lake, yeah, yeah. and you have a big boat or jet skis, yeah, that's, that's tough to beat, but yeah. I don't have one. So personally it, it's going to be lower on my list. Like you, I love the mountains. Yeah. Um, I think Sean kind of framed this in the Virginia, North Carolina perspective, but yeah, you just, yeah. But, I mean, Todd, you, you lived out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I've been out there a lot, you know, I used to go out there to visit you and visit other friends and do mostly skiing. But then I went out there a couple of times in the summer and I the feel best. like it's, it, it's the best. Like mm-hmm. my cousin who's lived out there for years, he's a ski photographer. He got married there and we were out there in Vail and all of his like ski buddies are all in the industry in one shape or another. I, I couldn't stop talking about how great it was. And I'm like, well, that's a secret. They're like, you know, we work out here in the winters, but we live here for the summers. Yes. It's, it's it's breathtakingly beautiful. There's a ton to do. You know, you can't have a bad view everywhere you look. The weather's great. Um, but for me, it's the beach. Like personally, like mm. that's what I like doing. That's what my family likes. Cause it's just, it's, I mean, I, I talk about it all I summer on this podcast. Like, just <laughs> give me a beach chair, toes in the sand, a good book and a cold drink. And I'm kind of in heaven. Um, and then when it gets hot, I jump and I go play in the water and I've got two kids now who never want to get out of the water. So it's perfectly mm-hmm. like I can go and just act like a kid or I can just be the relaxing adult. And I mean, bonus points if you're with like other friends and you've got a beachfront home and having coffee on the deck, looking at the ocean is pretty much my ideal for the like, oh, yeah, you stress go away yeah. type situation. So for me, it would probably be beach, mountain, lake. Gotcha. Um, but if I, if I strike it rich or get a big boat, that yeah. might flip flop. Yeah. Right. And I guess I'll go mountain beach lake. Um, yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to be stressed at the, uh, Teats farm bulls and barrels rodeo in lost no, river, yeah. West Virginia comes yeah. up in two weeks. So <laughs> yeah. um, the main takeaways you can't go wrong with, with any of them. No, you cannot. So that's, thank you, Sean, for the question. We appreciate it. Uh, Trip, someday we'll get back to Klein's and ask answer your question as well. Um, yeah, Trip, I, I haven't been to Klein's since probably yeah, 1996. We're just not there enough. So. Yeah. Yeah. So but last time I was at Klein's, it was co located with the Smoking Pig to give you an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, 
I think I already told you, Rob, I went to Mel. We, we, we rode by Melrose a few Melrose, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned boy, that. Yeah. Jeez. Um, well, speaking of riding, I'll go out on that. I want to give a big congratulations to a, um, hmm, a member of the Spirit Squad. I, I don't know. What, what are the rules on, like, how many decades pass? What's the statute of limitations on outing Duke dogs, Rob? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, I, does that it go forever? Like no, I just, it might I, be I like just, Fight Club. All know. I'll say is there's a, there's a former Duke dog who uh, put up a really good time at Leadboat, uh, uh, Leadboat at the Leadville 100 mountain bike race this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, got himself a second belt buckle, and uh, I just want to congratulate him. I'm pretty pretty excited for him. Um, so that was pretty cool. And and speaking of crazy things, Rob, I don't um, on the bikes. I don't know if you noticed this, but I know both of us have watched a little bit of the F1 show the last couple of years, where we've talked yeah, about it a little to drive to survive. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw Volteri Botas, who's become the favorite of our friends over at Everyday Should Be Saturday as Terry Boatass um, yeah. for mostly ruining races in F1. Um, he took Didn't he just do of, some big Yeah, he took advantage race? of yeah. his vacation to get on the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say it was the short course of Steamboat Gravel this past weekend. There's a 141-mile course uh, that my buddy Lucas did, but but there he did the 100-mile course. Look, there's no... He flew, no here easy from Europe, he flew yeah. here from Europe and did a gravel mountain or gravel bike race in at altitude against, you know, strong, let's, let's just say strong riders, you know, um, and, and somehow got on the podium and now is going to fly back to Europe and, yeah. and piss everyone off back on the F1 track. So yeah. good, good for Terry Bodass. Uh, yeah, so, That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. So I don't know, Rob, this was so exciting tonight. Thanks for talking. Uh, looking forward to putting this one together tonight or in the morning, and just—I mean, we got two more weeks, and we'll be—we'll have a game to talk. About. I mean, one more week, and we'll be previewing a game. We'll be previewing. Yeah, we only have we'll one more ahead. preseason pod, and I don't know what exactly we're going to cover next week. We're—we're we're going to have games to talk about because we will have seen some soccer, uh, and you know, we might do a little bit around take at well, least a look at what's coming up, but we're going to talk football. Scene would imply that I'm paying for flow sports. So. Right. But you know, um, if I can, if I can steal a password. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, but for the most part next week, we are previewing the season and I think giving our season predictions to some extent, um, we may save a little bit for that last week before the game, but really when we get to that pod, the end of the month, that's uh Moorhead state game preview, <laughs> you know, like what are we yeah, looking September forward 4th. to? I mean, yeah. It's, it's so coming... I, I'm, it, it's just so exciting. And, and I do have to credit our friend, our old friend Bennett, Rob, um, over at JMU Sports News. I, I don't want this to be an ongoing conversation between the podcasts all the time, but he's the one that got me thinking about the undefeated season. Um, I hadn't thought about the fact that because they don't play an FBS game, there's a little more than usual, like, oh, that could be on the table, you know. Um, and I guess just from a pure fan perspective, that's pretty fun to think about, you know, regardless of whether that's realistic and yeah, you know, yeah, I I think a a road game at Weber state to me is more intimidating or, or more exciting, however you want to put it than a road game at ECU four years ago. Like, so not all FBS games are made equally. Like sometimes there's really fun ones and it's neat, but it's like, this is my yeah, struggle SMU with the FBS like, games. Eh. You've got ones where it's like, oh, you do you want to get a marquee team, which is really fun. But those games are usually over midway through the second quarter. Yeah. Or do you want to get a really good team, maybe having an off year? Yeah. Like West Virginia a couple of years ago, yeah. where Jamie probably should have won that game. Right. 
Or do you just beat an ECU or an SMU where it's like, yeah, we beat them. We're better. And everybody's like, well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but like, this is a, this is an interesting schedule to me. This came up actually tonight. We got invited to a, um, a 40th birthday party mm-hmm. that is on the night of the Weber state game. Mm-hmm. And we were just discussing in the house, like, obviously we're not, you know, unfortunately we're not making the trip to Ogden, but we were just saying like, I really want to watch the game before we do anything after, you know, yeah. like later in the evening sort of thing. Um, I was like, I, I just like, and both of us were kind of saying that, like, this is really a fun of all the games in the season. This is a really exciting game. It's also going to be really exciting to have it come in week three. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean with to overlook, one CAA conference game under their belt. That's what I mean. I don't mean to overlook Maine or, or even Moorhead. And I, and I don't mean to overlook Weber's first two games. Um, but so often we go into the whoever they're playing, NC State or West Virginia or whoever, and we have no like frame of reference for is yeah. the team good or not. We're always worried about are they going to be terrible or are they good. This year should be really fun to see two teams that should be, you know, hopefully fingers crossed with injuries and COVID and everything else, but should be like at pretty close to full strength. Uh, you know, maybe closer than they ever are when they meet in the playoffs in a weird way. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm more excited about this. Than an FBS game, and and I'm I think I am too. It doesn't get super excited, but and I'll, I'll put it. I don't want to set the bar yeah. too high, but in terms of out of conference games in our JMU fandom history, yeah, what's the top one that stands out? You're going to say only Virginia one Tech, and then App State. Yeah, like I would say App State is better. I was going to say App State is the only FCS game that's yeah. ever been like really, really like. This is the biggest one since then. So well, I'm saying like just years. across the board, like yep. any out of conference. So including FBS games and out of conference, I think you've got App State and Virginia Tech and then a bunch of like mm-hmm. people will claim to remember details like, oh, remember that game against North Carolina? Nobody remembers. You know, remember that game against NC State? Yeah, didn't Nooch do something? Like no, yeah. the really memorable ones. Like I, I think this has the potential to mm-hmm. be way more exciting than playing a mid-tier uh, P5 school or a lower-tier G five. Well, I also think it it, it uh it's going to mean more as the season goes along. Yes. In hindsight of this game, you know, we've talked so many times about the tech game being, it's just a, it was a total lightning in a bottle moment. Yeah. And then by the end of the season, the real JMU fans weren't talking about it anymore because we weren't going to the playoffs. We were six and, we were, and five or whatever. yeah, barely yeah. five hundred. Um, you know, and years when we've beaten, you know. I don't know, SMU and you go and lose to Liberty, right? (laughs) Whatever. Like it it just, it doesn't, um, yeah. Whereas this, you're, you know, this is going to be whatever, win or lose, this is going to be a big conversation piece. It's going to be in every like playoff prediction article throughout the season across the national landscape for Mm -hmm. both teams. It's going to be a big marker that everyone's going to have to hear about and talk about the rest of the season. Yeah. And if they win that, like, they're going to be in position for a top the four national the seed. Yeah. Like they could probably lose a CAA game and still be a top four seed. Yeah. You know, like if they lose it, then they're going to have to run the table to get back to that consideration, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that kind of stakes, like that's just the stakes that don't exist when you go to NC state. Yeah. Right. You can lose We're the NC write-off. state and still be the number two seed overall. Like, yeah, yeah it's a write-off, you know? And so this just, yeah, the stakes are really high for this one and it's a tough trip. <laughs> so yeah, certainly I, is, I am but... with you. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. It takes place when it does. And I'm really, really jealous of 
the JMU fans that get to make that trip because it's a beautiful place to watch a game. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Rob, I, I can't wait to talk next week. Yeah. I hope you have a good week. You too. Right. Go Dukes. Thank mm-hmm. you.